You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Bay the Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, here back again for another week. And guess what? I can tell you a little bit of a story. I had all sorts of stuff prepped and ready for a show this week. And then I went and got pissed off. I got pissed off because I want to tell you, tell you, tell you a little story, which uh, which I think in turn will really turn into more of a snark family chat here type of a stuff. Really, just pure Stuart for our show today. And don't worry if some of you don't want pure unfiltered Stuart. We'll be back again next week with headlines and other talking points because, again, <laughs> was so ready to have a completely different show today. Uh, but that's not the case. That's not the world we live in. And that's not who I am. So, tell you a little story about the weekend. Uh, I know this may be a shocker to you guys, but this last weekend was Easter. And when we get holidays like Easter, I get a little snarky. When it comes to that, I know, I know, it's hard to believe a guy with a show called Snarky Faith getting a little snarky and maybe even uh, filled with a little vitriol. Yeah, it happens. It happens more than you think. Most of the times it's in my head. But, uh, But with the joys of social media, and as this show has kind of progressed and evolved and continued online, we have our bit of trolls um, that like to do what trolls do, um, which is troll. So that was amazingly eloquent way uh, for me to sandwich the word troll into a sentence three times in a row. But I think you know where I'm getting with this. And so over the weekend, um, I had become, well, let's say this. So in general, in general, so like my my main level, my kind of like C level, my my, uh, not C level, but like SEA level of, of feelings about holidays like Christmas and Easter, um, really are kind of apathetic. So that's kind of just like my baseline, just for you to know that it's, I'm rather apathetic because for those that may have not ever worked in churches, those are kind of like the Super Bowl and the World Series of, of the church year. And, you know, I, I'm normally my, my own kind of apathetic, cynical when it comes to that, because I've worked for many churches over the years where somehow, since this is like our Academy Awards or however many other metaphors I can use to describe how big this is to a church, 
Um, and, and the reason it's big to a church is is on two levels. They will tell you on one level that this is all about, like, referencing Easter, this is all about our resurrected Lord and Savior, and we need to have a day, a holy day, that honors his sacrifice and all that he did for us. So if that was simply it, I, I, can, totally, I, I can totally get into that. I can buy into that. But it's not really about that. It's not really about that in Christian America. It's about throwing the best show of the year. Because as statistics will tell us, uh, Christmas and Easter are your biggest attended services of the entire year. Now, if that was simply it, that would also kind of be okay and fine. But that being (laughs) true means that the way churches look at Christmas and Easter are, are wonderful ways to be able to put on a huge, big show, pull out all the stops because it's an opportunity to put more butts and pews in the hopes that those people become members and regular attenders, okay? Which, again, I get it. But my problem with that is that church the rest of the year isn't quite like Christmas and Easter. So in a certain way, what you're kind of doing is you're kind of doing bait and switch, for people. Like, we're going to put this thing on. We're going to have so many musicians. We're going to have so many good references. It's going to be just amazing. Everything's going to be pulling out all the stops. And it's not really sincere. Um, in the midst of it, they're really just trying to net more people to be able to come to church to live according to whatever cultural ideals they have and mold of life and blah, 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 blah. So, um, so yes, that's still me in my baseline thinking. And yes, I am fully aware I'm a cynic. I've worked for churches long enough and been a pastor for long enough (laughs) to have a healthy dose of snark and cynicism. All that to be said, Easter morning rolls around. And I, I, as I do on most days, is wake up and start reading the news. And so I come on to see that, I mean, as, as no complete surprise, uh, Trump woke up in the morning and was filled with the Easter spirit. Because as we know, like evangelicals, he's, he's their kind of new like Messiah. He's like their, you know, he's the guy that's going to usher in the kingdom somehow. Um, or if you look at it the other way, he's going to blow everything up and then Jesus will have to come back because Trump will have somehow created the apocalypse. But as I wake up and uh, Trump had tweeted this, he said, border, border patrol agents are not allowed uh, to properly do their jobs, uh, their job at borders because of ridiculous liberal, uh, parentheses, Democrat laws like catch and release, getting more, getting more dangerous, period. Caravans, in quotes, coming. Republicans must go to nuclear option to pass tough laws now, all caps. And continuing in all caps, no more DACA deal. And what that hit me particularly strange, because there, this is wrought with issues the whole way through. I'm not even going to get into, to, yeah, okay, let me just focus here. The idea that Trump is using on a day like Easter to be able to call out the fact that there will be no DACA deal. That, that, that hit me as, well, it pissed me off. Let's just, let's just, let's just cut through the chase here. It, 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 it actually just really pissed me off because I'm kind of like, man, 
you know, if, if there was anything, I mean, save that for a Monday. Save it for a Friday. Save it for any other day besides Easter. And why does that matter to me? Because I've also talked about <laughs> the Easter's rot with hypocrisy within the church. But what, what began to, to hit with me, and I'm going to connect this, which is already kind of obvious, but I'm trying to give you a state of mind that I was in. When I begin to see this, you know, this Trump, this man that evangelicals have championed on Easter, nonetheless, seeing something so hateful and petty, because that is Trump, but something that is so anti the spirit of Easter, it's so anti Jesus. that I was, I was actually sick. I was actually sick of this, and which, is, which is actually kind of surprising because most of the time I'm, I'm, I'm jaded enough to where Trump doesn't really phase me. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of get mad about certain things together. But again, like blood pressure doesn't really go up with Trump anymore because I've become desensitized or my blood pressure is up all the time. I'm not really sure which of those two things happen. <laughs> I'm just avoiding the doctor at all costs because I don't want an answer to it. But, but to think of this, to think of this, and, and we've been spending the past couple of weeks just, just poking holes in the hypocrisy um, within the evangelical church, specifically about the fact that they have championed Trump. And, and, and to say something that, that is just so callous towards a group of people and, and hateful and mean-spirited, and again, petty, because it is Trump, that, that really, really bothered me. So... What that led me to do in my own snarkiness is simply say, happy Easter evangelicals, Jesus would be proud. And I posted that. And some of my favorite, favorite trolls, and if you understand how sarcasm works, I don't really mean favorite. I would mean maybe more annoying, and, and really just annoying in the fact that <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll let you in on a secret. <laughs> Some of my trolls <laughs> I'm related to. Yes, it's a true story. <laughs> oh, the joys of being born in the Bible Belt. <sighs> you gotta love it. And what I typically try to do is, is, is I want to be, I mean, yes, it's hard for me not to be snarky, but I want to actually be honest when, when I'm actually talking with said trolls. And what really began to descend upon me, because a lot of this was kind of like, how dare you say these kind of things on Easter? The resurrection is about Jesus. The resurrection isn't about this and this and this and this. But really what began to dawn on me through all of this was the fact that I don't think Christians really understand Easter. Now, now again, that, 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 is, that is an unfair blanket statement I have thrown out, and I'm owning up to this now, so let me just unpack that a bit. Um, I think most casual American Christians really don't know what Easter is about. And I'm not even talking about the commercialization of a holiday. I'm not talking about the Easter Bunny, uh, Cadbury eggs, uh, that weird, weird green baked grass people put in in baskets. I'm not even. I'm not even going to go that route. Easter Bunny stuff, not at all, not at all. Okay. But but the route I am going to go 
is that Easter has somehow become like this pep rally for Jesus. It's this, it's this pep rally where we all have to get together and be like, yay, look at what Jesus did. I mean, it's kind of like a Christian 4th of July, um, minus the fireworks, even though many churches may have some smoke machines. But really what I'm getting at is I think the actual point, the message, the heart of Easter oftentimes gets lost. And what I will do, kind of as, as I'm walking through this, this show today, and, and I'm actually, you know, I was kind of just going, I don't, like, I really don't. I'm not, it's not that I'm anti-confrontation. I, I just get really tired of, like, dealing with trolls, especially familial trolls. I, it, just, it just kind of wears on me just because it's annoying. Um, because it's annoying because there's nothing that you can say that is going to change their mind because they, for some reason, the way trolls work is they already have the moral or the intellectual high ground. So anything you say, it doesn't really matter at all. But, but I wrote this in response and this was kind of the basis of what I wanted to orient um, the show around today. And so again, I was being accused of being nasty and horrible and how dare I do this to Jesus on his quinceanera, I guess, maybe, or whatever you want to refer to Easter as. And so I just, it, it hit me this, because I was just going like, uh, as I was thinking, there was like, gosh, I, I really think that, that, that these, these folks are totally missing the point. And, um, and I told them this, I told them this. And um, that Jesus resurrected means that we're called to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. It's, it's not a moment to look back on. It's what pushes us forward. And to simply look back and have a pep rally does nothing for what Jesus did and continues to do. We're supposed to be God's hands and feet in a hurting world, and that means we're supposed to oppose evil and fight for those who are hurting, oppressed, maligned, and forgotten. The resurrection speaks to the fact that unjust and oppressive economic systems and policies are not part of God's ethics. It also speaks to the fact that misguided and corrupt political systems and churches are not part of God's kingdom. For me to believe in the resurrection means I'm supposed to be pissed at the state of the world and in turn go and try to fix it. Easter's not all about the afterlife. It's firmly rooted in the here and now. And so this show is all about why I'm pissed on Easter. And as you're listening to this, <laughs> several days after Easter, and what pisses me off about the Easter pep rally idea is that it actually misses the entire point of why Jesus came, what Jesus taught, what Jesus did and accomplished, and what we're called to do. So in order to kind of walk through this, I, I want to walk through a little bit of the mentality of evangelicals because I, I, was, I was raised as a conservative evangelical. Uh, raised in a Southern Baptist church. I have been to seminary, though mine was an interdenominational seminary. I have worked for churches across the spectrum, uh, churches that would be considered conservative. I've worked for churches that would be considered more along the lines of Pentecostal. I've worked for churches that were kind of a little bit in the middle. But I also worked for an evangelistic organization, uh, for many, many years. 
And to kind of unpack that for people that don't know church and Christian speak or Christianese, um, working for an evangelical organization means essentially that you're going out to win souls for Christ, that you're out to convert the lost, that you're out to make sure people ain't going to hell because that's what Jesus told us to do. And so with that, um, I had been working for this, for this organization for, for several years and was eventually on their leadership board. And, and I remember this. And so, so like the, the metric that we would use, the way that we would uh, gain or be able to kind of measure success um, and also be able to kind of humble brag about what we're doing for the kingdom um, to donors and people that supported the ministry um, was to be able to count and keep count of conversions or reconversions or recommitting your life to Jesus kind of things. And the, 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 I'd worked with a lot of kids that were, well, really the area I was working was kind of an oppressed economic climate. Uh, I worked with a lot of kids that were kind of like street kids and, uh, kids whose, uh, parents uh had made bad choices uh i.e like were uh well were on drugs or uh were alcoholics and things of that nature so it was it was a really really uh oppressed climate and one of the, the things that uh when i was younger and i and i'd first started with them i kind of came out with my christian zeal and and it was all going to be about you know me being the white knight for god and going and save saving the lost you know being the uh bearded Billy Graham or something like that. I, I'm not really sure um, how you want to describe me back then. But I was also young and I was <laughs> dumb and misguided. Uh, but thankfully what began to happen as I really began to invest myself in the lives of these young people, um, I began to see that this message of like, you're going to hell and you need Jesus so you don't go to hell because in many ways, that's, that's how the evan evangelical message gets boiled down to, right? Is that um, Jesus is God's son, came to this earth, uh, lived a life, taught people, performed miracles, um, and then was crucified for our sins. And uh, rose again three days later. And if we believe in him, our sins are forgiven and in the end, we go to heaven, and it's, it's, it's the end of a happy story. It's, it's a fairy tale ending, as, as you could put it. And for those that are not saved, well, you go to the bad place. Uh, you go to hell, um, the place that would be seen as like eternal torment and pain and torture and uh, pretty much like, yeah, sitting through the new... God's not dead movie. Similar, similar idea. Um, I'd have that kind of experience if I had to sit through it. And, and the further that I began to journey through and, and journey along with, with, with these young people in their lives, um, some of them from, because uh, I would work on campuses and we ran drop-in centers and did all sorts of stuff to try to help them out in their life. Um, and some of, these, some of these young people I knew from like middle school beyond high school. And the one thing I began to see in their lives was the fact that the idea of, of hell was not scary. The idea of what happens to me after I die doesn't really matter to me. 
And and for like the first probably year or so, it really, really bothered me because I was raised Southern Baptist, you know, uh, hellfire and brimstone as, 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 as they do it. Um, and hellfire and brimstone sim- simply means you want to scare people into following Jesus because they're so terrified of hell. Which, if you're looking for lifelong followers, that's kind of wrought with holes, that you're scaring people to do the right thing in the hopes that you're then going to love Jesus because you're totally terrified of hell. It's a really bad bait-and-switch model. Um, but what I, what I began to learn from them, these young people, was that hell was already in their midst. Their lives were already hell. They were poor. Uh, for a lot of them, their families didn't really give a, give, <laughs> give a crap about them at all. And they were just trying to survive. And to them, they were already in hell. So why would it matter that they died and went to hell? And that really began to kind of screw around in my head with my theology. And, and as I was working for this organization, um, I remember I, I was, you know, I mentioned before, I was on the leadership board and we would have like these like quarterly strategic meetings. We'd go offsite and begin to, to strategize and also tally numbers for what we're doing and see how we're doing this year. Do we have enough conversions? You know, it's, uh, <laughs> in a certain sense now it's dawning on me, it's almost like, like what you'd be talking to, um, thinking about, any corporation, like, how do we do in quarter one? How do we do in quarter two? How much money do we make? How many people do we convert? You know, that, that, it was almost like transactional in nature. And, and again, I'm not knocking the people that were working for it. Um, it it's not that. I just think sometimes the, the focus was, was not completely right. And, um, and one of the reasons that I do this show is because oftentimes we can be raised around... We can be raised around... Well, church culture, church thought, and and all we know is all we know. And so to think outside of what you've always been taught and what you've always been told and what you've always been around is really, really difficult for a lot of people. And so as we're having this conversation, as we're having this conversation about how are we doing, I began, it, it dawned on me and it, like something finally just like connected in my head and I started asking the question. I was like, so when we talk about someone converting to follow Jesus, what are we actually inviting them to do? Which at that moment, everyone's just kind of staring at me like I'm a moron. Like trying to say, what if the sky wasn't blue? You know, and so it was one of those things like, well, duh, you work for an evangelistic organization. Like how in the world... Why are you even asking this question? Like, this is like, you know, water is what, dude? Like, why are you asking this? And so they kind of didn't say anything. They just stared at me. Like, I just asked, it a, re- asked a really stupid question. And so then I began to unpack it because I said that if we're trying to invite them into the kingdom of God, what does that look like? And then I got some answers. Well, because, you know, we've all sinned. I was like, no, 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 no. I know, understand this. I understand this. I know we've all sinned and followed, fall, you know, fallen short of the glory of God, blah, blah, blah. I know that. Don't give me the Bible answer. But like, like, in like, like seriously, like logically, like think, think, think through this. So if we are working with, um, with, with people who are oppressed um, and already living in hell, 
what are we actually inviting them into besides just kind of a checkbox? Like, do you believe in Jesus? Check, yes. Great. Now I, the Christian, feel better about myself. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And, and I think that was one of those moments where that really began to change the way I looked at what I did in ministry-wise. Because I was saying is, if the kingdom of God is only simply about that checkbox, that do I believe in Jesus, check yes, that's not really much of anything. And they're like, what do you mean? Because in many ways, like as evangelicals, we've been told that, that that's the everything. That's the absolute everything. I said, no, no, no. I said that, are we inviting them into a larger community? Are, are we inviting them to something that's kind of like a quasi family for people? Are we, are we there to show them that the kingdom of God means that we are going to help them like with their homework? We're going to help them get into college. We're going to help them get off of drugs. We're going to help them in ways that are holistic and that our focus isn't simply on have I converted them? And then, then I got many different answers. Oh, well, that's not what we're all about and blah, 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 blah. But if, if you begin to look at like the amount of time that was spent towards trying to get conversions, that kind of was what we were all about. And so that brings me to where I am now. Um, being accused of being hateful and nasty on Jesus' quinceanera Easter. And this is why, this is what bothers me. Because I, I get accused sometimes from people of, of being full of anger and vitriol towards the church. Why do you do this? Why are you saying this? Why are you so angry about this? I'm actually angry about it because I feel like we're getting the message wrong. I think we're getting Jesus all wrong. I think that we've made faith something that is so simple and hollow and cardboard that it's all wrong. And for a person that spent a lot of my life loving Jesus, but also like vocationally working for Jesus, uh, <laughs> for working for religious organizations, because <laughs> they're not always involved in Jesus, even though they use his name. Because what I've seen here, and this is not, this is not, I don't think this is completely worldwide, but I think that what we've become as American Christians in many places, not all places, but in many places, um, become of a religion of convenience, become a religion of little cost, become a religion that requires very little of you besides tithe and volunteering to keep the church going. But the church isn't the Jesus. Jesus isn't the church. Because I was also accused in some other posts that I had, had um, about like attacking the church on Easter. And I was like, do you realize, like, FYI, heads up, do you realize that like when they talk about like the church and the Bible, they don't mean a building. Like they don't mean an institution. They don't mean any of that stuff. They mean people. People that gather. People that gather hopefully to do community together. People that gather to, to make 
their community at large better. People that that are that gather to try to make the world better. And I think that gets missed a lot. I think that gets missed a whole hell of a lot. Because I've told the story before, but it, it always comes back to me. Because again, that, that this like another like story that I have that I felt like was very formative. Um, was I was I was in the midst of going through seminary, and I'm sitting down at a pastor's lunch, and there had been a pastor in the town that was really big on picketing abortion clinics, and he was just talking about the great work they were doing. They were out doing this, and they're saving so many unborn babies by doing all of this. And what was what was bothering me was, and I think that that this is like the roundabout long way for me to get to this point, is that. In Christianity, we're not looking for holistic systems. We're looking for kind of magic pills. And we're looking for stuff that costs nothing of us. And so I asked the pastor, I was like, so instead of you guys spending time like once a month going down and picking an abortion clinic, have you guys ever thought about doing something that's more holistic? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you don't want these women that are pregnant to abort their babies, correct? He's like, correct. Same page so far. And number two, do you realize that this isn't fun for them? Do you realize that they are in a situation in life where something has happened and they are trying to struggle <laughs> the best that they can to deal with what has happened to them? Some of this is economic. Some of this is, is systemic. There's other issues that simply go into this. It isn't simply like killing babies bad. At that moment, I started to lose him. I could already see it in his eyes. And so I had to move very quickly. And so I asked him, I was like, so if you guys really care about this, are you guys willing to take these young girls in and pay for everything? Like, and then adopt the baby. Like, if, if this matters to you so much, if this stirs your soul so much, um, and if you believe this so deeply in your soul, why aren't you doing something that is very holistic? and at the same time costly to you in order to save these lives. And he's like, well, that, that's just too much work. And he said that dismissively, but it was very truthful. And, and I feel like when we boil down the Christian life to a lot of, well, the ethics of Jesus, they're just too much work. Really? then are you still following Jesus or are you just going to church? Because, like, if we were to just to logically kind of sit here and, and look, let's just, like, just sit and think and look about this story, about, about Jesus being crucified. Or if you're Mel Gibson, who looks at it like torture porn. But if you're really honest and want to look at this story and really honest and actually dig into like, you know, the things Jesus said, like, like loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, um, giving to those in need, giving of yourself to those in need. And many other things, uh, which Jesus also spoke to was about the corrupt power structures in this world. But if we're really to kind of sit down and holistically look at Easter, we, we can begin to look at it in several different ways. One, Jesus believed in what he preached and spoke about and did so much that he was willing to die. 
Now that, let's just pause there. And I'm not saying people need to go out and just die right now. What I'm saying is when we begin to talk about like making converts or, or having people in our churches and our buildings who would be hopeful converts, but at least they're tithers. Are we really telling people these kinds of messages? Like if we're really going to be honest, like on an Easter Sunday, like look at what Jesus did, not just, oh my gosh, uh, Jesus is my boyfriend. Look at what he did for me. He died. He died for me. No, but to actually look at the mold and look at the life of Jesus saying this, he cared so much about people that were forgotten. People that the political systems, that the religious systems in that time uh, were putting under their thumb. They were squishing them. They were weighing them down. People who were essentially already living in hell. Jesus cared for these people. He would reach out to them. Whether there were people that would be prostitutes or caught in adultery or lepers, which is kind of a gross thing, but Jesus still went out and, did, <laughs> and ministered to the lepers. People that were terminally ill, sick, not going to get better. And yes, Jesus performed miracles. But when we look at this, he committed himself so much to the task and to use kind of a churchy term, he practiced what he preached so much that he was willing to lay down his life for his beliefs, for his mission, and for the kingdom of God when we look at it that way. So no, Easter's not a pep rally. I mean, in many ways, if churches were to be honest, Easter should be the least seeker-friendly day of the year. This should be kind of like your time to do your Independence Day speech, like Bill Pullman, Independence Day. Uh, that version of Independence Day, not like July 4th. Um, but that's like your moment to do your Independence Day speech, saying like, look at this. Look at what our Savior did for us. And now go and do likewise. But we're not going to hear that. We're going to have lots of great solos and lots of great music and everyone dressed in their Sunday best. And what we will do is we'll go there and we'll be so thankful to Jesus. So thankful. Because when we're thankful in that way, it's an abstraction. It's a way for us to play the escapism game. It's a way for us to have the feels, have all the feels, because the music's good, the sermon's good, I look good. We have all the feels, but then we walk away. Because what's happened in Christianity, and again, answering my critics, why are you so pissed? Because Christianity has become a spectator sport. We're not living it. We're just doing it. Christianity in America has become something uh, that is programmed into our already busy schedules. We put it on our calendars um, next to the PTA meetings or taking kids to sporting events or going and visiting such and such. We, it, it's just another block in our schedule. And that's a problem. And I've worked for churches. I have worked for churches where I've asked, I've talked to the leaderships, <laughs> the leadership and the pastors about this. And they just shrug it off because it doesn't fit into their narrative. It doesn't fit into their system. And to do those things, we may lose attendance. 
But spoiler alert, if we're going to celebrate on Easter, if we're going to celebrate Jesus, we've also got to look at also what Jesus did. There were times in the Bible where Jesus preached a hard sermon. And the scriptures tell us, and the crowd thinned. And I think that one line would scare every church and really just scare their their bottom line. And the crowd thins. So Jesus taught hard stuff. Now, I'm not talking about hateful hard stuff. I'm talking about like requiring stuff of you, not requiring stuff of you Joel Osteen style, like give me your money and Jesus will bless you. Not that kind of stuff. No, but like, any good leader of a movement, you're required to give of yourself. And the sad fact is, I feel like the heart of the American church has forgotten that. We've run to easy answers. We've embraced the easy conversion tactic as a metric for how we look at stuff. We're good at converting. We're not good at discipling. Why? It's just too much work. But think of it. Think if we like applied that same ethic. Think if we applied that same ethic to like a lot of our marriages. Man, I could totally have a better marriage. It's just too much work. But on Easter, we profess our undying love to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We love what you did for us as a consumer. But to do what you did, it's just too much work. I'm so busy. And that's not a small problem. That's actually a huge problem. That's kind of a like running into an iceberg Titanic problem and saying we just, oh, we've got a little leak. We've got a little leak here. Don't worry. We'll just plug it up and keep going. And so, yes. Why am I pissed on Easter? I'm pissed because of these things. I'm pissed because this is the message that Jesus said when he started his ministry of preaching and healing. And he was quoting from Isaiah 61 when he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, bind up the broken heart of, proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisoners. And I think in many times we can just say, mm, that's all spiritual. That's all spiritual talk. Jesus is doing all that for our spirits. But again, that's escapism. It's philosophizing, <laughs> philosophizing Jesus away. To me, that kind of sounds like marching orders. So to follow Jesus, we're supposed to bring good news to the oppressed. So if someone is oppressed, let's say someone is in jail. Don't worry there, buddy. Jesus loves you. You may be stuck in here for the rest of your life, but you got Jesus in your heart. Your aces. No, no. No, I'm not saying here, I could be taken wrong in many ways. I'm not saying I'm, I'm holistically against evangelism. I'm talking about holistic evangelism. So if someone is oppressed, what can we do to help them not be oppressed? If someone's in prison, us going and trying to share the gospel with them and then leaving 
and not coming back does nothing. I uh, I did a show with uh, Brian Scuttle, who runs the podcast Sonic Cinema, uh, a couple weeks back, and I remember, you know, he was asking me like what my favorite like religious films are, and and one of them I told him was I was like I was like Dead Man Walking, and he's like Wait what? I was like Oh it's totally a religious film with Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn. It is it is a gut wrenching heart breaking film. Um, about a nun who is reaching out to a man who's on death row, who's denying that he raped and murdered people. But as we find out, he did. And she sticks with him. And the families and the news become against her because why, why are you, why are you standing with this man that is horrible, that is horrible, that is awful? So why would she do that? Jesus. To bring good news to the oppressed means you've got to go there. And it may cost something of you. And then you've got to keep going there. You've got to keep bringing good news to the oppressed. Many times, that good news isn't that Jesus loves you. That good news is you being there, being present, being Jesus to them. To bind up the brokenhearted. That's what hit me when I was reading the thing about Trump saying there's no DACA deal. DACA's off the table. There's a lot of brokenhearted people because of unjust stuff that's going on in our country. To be Christian means that we need to go there. We need to march, but we also need to invest. Because I love the action around all the marches that are happening right now. But my biggest question is what happens after the march? How do you continue to invest? And it's not a criticism um, at all. Marches are good. But what matters in those are what do we do next? How do we continue to invest? How do we continue to bind up the brokenhearted? He says we're to proclaim liberty to the captives. Proclaim liberty to the captives, those that are stuck in places of poverty, those who can see no way out. We're to proclaim liberty to them. We're to go be Jesus to them and help them, invest in them. Maybe just go and listen to them. And to release the prisoners. See, when I see this, this is like Jesus' mission statement. This is the mission statement that doesn't always really necessarily get talked about on Easter in that way. Because it's all about kicking ass because Jesus lives. We win. You know, it's like how we feel. Like, it, and like if you're watching the Super Bowl, if your team wins, it's almost like you won too. Like, yes, yes, I've cheered for them so long and done really nothing to help the effort that was on the field that just happened. But yeah. Or if your team loses and you're like, oh my God, I'm so horrible. I feel so bad. Which, again, in turn, you had nothing to do with what happened on the field. And I go back to this, like, are we spectators? Are we actors? Are we actively involved in living this stuff out? So if we want to think of like the first words that Jesus said and continued to walk out the whole time in his ministry and through his teachings and through his actions, that we're supposed to bring good news to the oppressed like actual good news, not just get out of hell free insurance news. Bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty for the captives and release the prisoners. Those, 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 those words, those words cost a lot for us. And in so many ways, Easter is about Jesus paying the cost. Now go and do like he did. But that doesn't preach well 
on your World Series of Sundays. When we have everybody in there, we don't want to rock the boat too much because we want them to come back to continue to put money, <laughs> put money in the offering plates. So I'm saying all of this. Probably I could have summarized this up and given you a normal snarky show by just saying is we've missed the point. We've lost the plot. With American Christianity, we've become corporate. We've become efficient. We've become about the bottom line. We've modeled ourselves after corporate America. And really not after what the Bible calls people to do as the people of God. Because the vision that Jesus was giving when he would speak of the kingdom of God was that the unjust systems will eventually be overturned. That righteousness will happen here on the earth. And we're not even strictly talking about spiritual stuff. We're talking about those that are meek, those that are forgotten, those that are maligned, those that are oppressed, those that are abused, those that are called names, those that are turned away by border walls from a country that supposedly is founded by Christian values. I get pissed because this whole system is rigged. And when you bring Jesus into it, it makes it all hypocritical. And I'm not saying Jesus is hypocritical. But for the religious right to continue to claim that they're doing God's work by supporting unjust economic systems while we have pastors that continue to profit, that in itself is an unjust economic system. And it continues to boggle my mind. But I do understand that many people live in an echo chamber. Many people have insulated themselves so much. You see, I think in many ways, American Christianity has gotten all wrong. It was never about creating a Christian empire. Jesus was always about overthrowing the empire, whether it be religious or political. Because any time anything becomes an empire, it becomes unjust. Jesus wasn't about a faith system. And Easter is all about revolution. So think about that. Can we see Easter as a revolution? A revolution that, that God is here amongst us. That God is here with us and continues to be here with us. And that God wants to get rid of oppression and corruption and that God wants people to be free. To be free to be able to live in dignity. Because I think that we have made Easter into being a noun when Easter should really be a verb. It should be an action word. It should be something that fuels us to go out and be better, to go and be more like Jesus, to go and live 
out the Easter message to live as Jesus lived in our communities. And sadly, we see the life and model of a Christian is a good Christian goes to church. And going to church is not the same as living as Jesus lived. No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gathering with people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with studying scriptures and wrestling through scriptures together as a community. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being able to look at your community and say, where are the lost? Where are the broken? Where are the hurting? Who needs our help? How can we be Jesus to those people? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I am saying there's something wrong with the Sunday show. I am saying treating Easter like a pep rally is wrong because it misses the entire point. And part of my point is being a Christian isn't about the Sunday show. It's not about all of the the buildings and the money and having the most kick-ass pastor or having the best worship leader and all those things that make me feel good. Because guess what? I've got, I, I, I mean... We, I have music in my phone. If I want to listen to good music, I can choose to do that when I want to. If I want to go be a spectator, I can go watch movies. I can go to a sporting event. But neither of those things require anything of me. To listen to music and get all the feels requires nothing of me besides time and my ears. For me to be moved by a powerful message in a movie doesn't really require anything of me besides my time and my ears and my eyes and the same thing with sporting events. Now, it may require some money of us uh, (laughs) to be able to go to these things or to buy music, but it's not the same thing that Jesus was talking about. And so when people are wondering why, I get pissed about this kind of stuff. Why am I so hard on evangelicals? (laughs) Well, it's because they're missing the point And they're doing it, proclaiming the name of Jesus. And that bothers me for several reasons. One, yes, they've lost the plot. Yes. They really don't know why they're doing what they're doing anymore besides the fact that we've always done it this way. But also what it's doing, and especially when it comes to Trump and everything else I like to rip on in the show, It makes Jesus into a dirty word. It makes Christian into a dirty word. It makes people not want to hear about the life of Jesus. It makes people shut down. And you may argue with me about this, but guess what? I've worked as an evangelist for many years, and I've seen it. And thankfully, I was able to learn fairly fast that there's a lot of baggage in our country. There's a lot of baggage in our American nation. And it's not that culture is sinful. That's not why the baggage is there. It's because Christians have put it there. It's because we've worn out the name of Jesus for so many things that are worthless that oftentimes when people hear it, they don't hear any worth or value. So because of these things, I am grieved. Because of these things, I'll repeat what I started off my show by saying. Jesus resurrected means that we are called to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. It's not a movement to look back on. It's what pushes us forward. To simply look back 
and have a pep rally does, does nothing for what Jesus did and continues to do. We're supposed to be God's hand and feet to, in a hurting world. It means we're supposed to oppose evil and fight those who are hurt and fight for those who are hurting, oppressed, maligned, and forgotten. The resurrection speaks to the fact that unjust and oppressive economic systems and policies are not part of God's ethics. It also speaks to the fact that misguided and corrupt political systems and churches are also not part of God's kingdom. For me, I believe the resurrection means I'm supposed to be pissed at the state of the world and in turn go and try to fix this. Easter's not all about the afterlife. It is firmly rooted in the here and now. And if I want to get churchy, I would say, can I have an amen, brothers and sisters, right now? And I'm going to leave you with this. This is a poem by Wendell Berry called Manifesto, the Mad Farmer Liberation Front. And it goes like this. Love the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay. Want more of everything ready-made. Be afraid to know your neighbors and die, and you will have a window in your head. Not even your future will be a mystery anymore. Your mind will be punched in a card and shut away in a little drawer. When they want you to buy something, they will call you. When they want you to die for profit, they will let you know. So friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world, work for nothing. Take all you have and be poor. Love someone who doesn't deserve it. Denounce the government and embrace the flag. Hope to live in that free republic for which it stands. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance. For what man has not encountered, he has not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant. That you will not live to the harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that profit. Prophecy such returns. Put your faith in the two inches of humus that will build under the trees every thousand years. Listen to carbon. Put your ear close and hear the faint chattering of the songs that are to come. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful though you've considered all the facts. So long as women do not go cheap for power, please women more than men, ask yourself, will this satisfy a woman satisfied to bear a child? Will this disturb the sleep of a woman near to giving birth? Go with your love to the fields, lie down in the shade, rest your head in her lap, swear allegiance to what is the nighest of your thought. As soon as the generals and the politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. Leave it as a sign to mark the false trail, the way you didn't go. Be like a fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice resurrection. So as you go out into this week, practice resurrection, real resurrection, as it will impact and affect the people that you live around and the people that you love and even those that you don't. That's all I got this week. I am out of here. 
As we end this broadcast, just a reminder that you can catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com. And I send you out with grace and peace and snark. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.